This is On the Radar with me, your host, Radar. And as always, we'll talk about local and national sports and pop culture. This is episode 105. You can't believe it. We've done more than 100 official podcasts. Unfortunately, in some sad news, we've lost Canadian-American a comedian, actor, and social satire considered the first modern comedian in the United States and William Rogers. He pioneered a style of social satire that pokes fun of political and current events using the improv's monologues and only a newspaper as a prop. His name was Mort Saul. He passed away at the age of 94. He, uh, he basically was asked to write speeches for, you know, people running for president and stuff, so legendary person. A lot of people... It inspired Lenny Bruce, Jonathan Winter, George Carlin, Woody Allen as some. So he had a huge impact on the comedy world. So rest in peace to Mort Saul. Rest in peace to Joanne Cameron. Credited as the as a one of the first women to ever be on a, a superhero on a TV show where she was known for Ice playing the character Isis on the children's television. It was later reprised as The Secret of Isis. It basically, basically, she's got a lot of different things in her career, and that was like the biggest thing. And while she also appeared in Spider-Man Strikes Back, aka Deadly Dust, as Gail Hoffman. So rest in peace to Joanna Cameron. Rest in peace to her. And rest in peace to Stu Billet, the creator of The People's Court. It's something that a lot of people watch. So. Uh, rest in peace to him. And then we lost James Michael Taylor, Friends producer, excuse me, Friends actor battled with cancer, passed away. He played Gunther on Friends, so rest in peace to him. And then we lost Peter Scolari, an actor best known for Michael Harris on The New Art Show and Henry Desmond on Bosom Buddies. He also would three, received three Emmy nominations for his work on New Art and won a Primetime Emmy Award for guest star on a comic series for a recurring role as Ted is Tad Horvath on Girls in 2016. He passed away at age of 66. He was also in... The last thing he was in that a lot of people will remember was he was in Evil and a reoccurring as a Bishop Thomas Marks. And he was in an episode of Blue Bloods recently as well. So rest in peace to him. And then... We also lost... American actor Chris Ayers, he's an American actor and director, and a lot of people know him as the English version of Japanese anime shows of Funmation, including the Dragon Ball Z franchise as a whole, and that's a really popular one, especially for someone like me, who who watched a lot of Dragon Ball Z, and Dragon Ball, and Dragon Ball GT, and Dragon Ball Super, so it was... It was sad to hear that because basically that's something that I spent a lot of time watching and so the voice would be recognizable, especially since he was also in that last Dragon Ball Super movie, Broly, so rest in peace to him. And then we also lost the lead singer of Jay and the Americans. His name was Jay Black, but his real name was David Blot. He's best known as the lead singer of the band of the Jamaican, Jay and the Americans. 
numerous including Come Up a Little Bit Closer, Care of Me, and The Magic Moment. He passed away at the age of 82. Rest in peace to him. And I wanted to mention about the Chris Iris dude is that it's the, the role that people remember will be Frieza. He voiced Frieza, and that is something that everybody will remember as well more than any other thing. So rest in peace to him. And in news of not people, you know, passing away, Bubba Starling in Major League Baseball announced his retirement. The former Royals player who barely played in the Major Leagues but won a silver with it this year in the Olympics for Tokyo, so at least he got to go out on that run, was the fifth overall selection in the 2011 draft for the Royals. And outfielder, he was 29 years old. He basically... Never left the potential and never really stayed healthy. So happy trails to him. Happy trails to one of the best high flyers and dunkers of all time. I remember when he blew out a cupcake when he had a slam dunk in the slam dunk contest. And he started off with the Celtics where he won the 2007 slam dunk contest and then runner up the next year. He would go on to play for the Timberwolves, the Rockets, the Mavericks, play overseas, play in the the D-League, play for the Nets, the Pacers, and the Suns in the Heat, and most recently the Celtics again. And last year playing for the Rockets. He is now working for the Rockets in player development. He also was a D-League All-Star and the D-League All-Star Game MVP. Besides for being an All-American in high school. Happy trails to Gerald Green. Evander Kane can't stay out of the news. It was the first. It was did he did he gamble on games? Domestic violence with his wife and what the NHL is going to do. Well, he got suspended for 21 games for getting for breaking the established violation of the COVID protocol. Basically, the, the fact that they submitted a fake COVID-19 vaccination card to the NHL. The NHL doesn't have a, maxani- doesn't have a vaccine mandate, but you have far restrictions on them if you, if you, if you are vaccinated. If you're vaccinated, you got to do a lot of things, which also affects the ability to play in Canada because they got the mandate without the quarantining and stuff. So the fact that he goes, you know what? People think I could gamble on games. I'm a women abuser. Let's throw on the top that I'm pretending that I'm vaccinated. And yeah, I am not actually vaccinated, which is, again, really, really stupid. Now, doing what people accused of, you know, domestic stuff, Scott, uh, you know, so Stan Bowman, the Blackhawks' former GM, who when he got hired, nobody liked him because he didn't, he, he basically let the Blackhawks go from being good to being bad. Everybody thought he deserved it. It was just based on his father being a Hall of Fame coach. And I personally ran a Facebook page that wanted him to be fired along with with Gar Foreman. And he's basically out of GM after this investigation because basically he let this happen on his watch and that is why he resigned. Basically, there was investigations of an allegation of sexual assault committed by a member of the Blackhawks video coaching staff. The lead investigator stated that Bowman's failure to report the alleged assault had consequences, eventually leading to the perpetrator committing further acts of sexual abuse. So I'm hoping this doesn't come out on top on everybody in charge because Joe Quenneville already was fired by the Blackhawks. And he's, you know, I don't, I don't want to see him lose his job, but I, you know, everything's got to be traded fair, you know, fairly. So there's that. Now, Get to some football news. Washington football team cussed Dustin Hopkins, but guess what? The Chargers just picked him back up. Do you want to hear the funny story who Washington's football's kicker? His name is Chris Blewett. Of course, the dude missed field goals or an extra point recently, so that's a great name for him. Baker Mayfield could have more severe injuries with his shoulders, so he didn't play Thursday night last week. 
Panthers have picked up Demir Abdullah, and good news for the Browns, they at least get Jarvis Landry back. The Eagles get Dallas Goddard back, so Zachers traded. That's good for them. The Packers paid up Whitney Mer- Merciless. Texans just want to get rid of all their good players. Andre Roberts joined the Chargers, and Jacob Beeson joined the Seahawks because, you know, if Geno Smith gets hurt, who's going to be the quarterback? Colts get Quinn and Nelson back, which is good. Toronto Allison's officially with the Lions. Teddy Bridgewater was back from his injury, and John Brown's officially suited up for the Broncos. Dak Prescott and Taylor Raft and Matt Prater were NFC players of the week the previous week. Derrick Henry and TJ Watt and Matthew Wright were for the AFC. Brown, excuse me, the Bengals also get P. Ryan back, which was good. Colts lose Julian Black to torn Achilles out for the year, which sucks because they're trying to make the playoffs. Garoppolo is back for 49ers, while Dante Fowler, unfortunately, has gone on the IR for the, for the Falcons with a knee injury. And um, Taylor Luan is a cushion, so he's out. Latavius Murray and Sammy Watkins are out with injuries. Jimmy Graham is blessed in the COVID list, so looks like a lot of Cole Komet for the Bears. Kenny Dolly, Saquon Barkley, Sterling Shepard, and, and the rookie Tooney are both been out. It's a lot of injuries. And Levante Davis and Richard Sherman are out. Gronk and AB have been out. And interesting story for the Browns who have lost Taysom, excuse me, who have lost Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb to injury. They're a rookie running back, Dearness Johnson, became the third running back in Browns' just Third Browns running back to have 100-plus scrimmage yards in a single game this year, joining Chubb and Hunt. The Browns are the only team that had three running backs with 100 scrimmage yards in a game in 2018. Five teams have yet to even have a running back do so in one game this season. So that's pretty impressive. When I saw D. Johnson in the box score, I'm like, oh, it's Duke Johnson. Nope, that's not him. It's D. Ernest Johnson. And uh, Chris Hogan announced his retirement again. He announced his retirement to play in lacrosse, but then the Saints got him out of retirement. So he officially said, well, I am retired again. Damian Williams is back, which is good for the Bears. And an interesting statistic about Brady after just facing Justin Fields the other day, that he was 22 owes him. This this will this was the largest gap age between starting quarterbacks in 1950, and Brady was 21 years older than Mac. They set the record for the largest age gap then. And then when he was 22 years, Zach Wilson, Zach Wilson's five months younger than Fields. So this will break the record for large age gap for the third time this season. Every time he's played somebody young, because he's still playing at this age. Lane Kiffin is back. Not Lane Kiffin, excuse me, why did I say that? Cliff Kingsbury. Okay, and Julio Jones is back, but Devontae Parker is out, but Xavier Howard and Byron Jones are back, which is good for the Dolphins. Miles Sanders is unfortunately out for them, for the Eagles with an ankle injury. Sucks for me in fantasy. The Jets, because they lost Zach Wilson, guess what? They went and got Joe Flacco back for a six-round pick. They really love this dude. It didn't really do so well last year when he played. I don't know. Cam Newton's out there. There's some other guys out there that I probably would have gone with over Joe Flacco. That's just me. Davenport and Nolan's Alexander are back. Traquan Smith is back for the Saints, so that gives him a good receiver. Rashad Penny's back for the Seahawks, so we'll kick Carson out. That's good to have him there. Chandler Jones is back, which is good for the Cardinals. Devontae Adams, unfortunately, it's COVID-19, which means he's probably not going to play in Thursday Night Football, so adjust your fantasy lineups. Cowboys are going to get Michael Gallup back, which is good. The Rams traded Kenny Young to the Broncos. I don't get that for a six-round pick. Jason McCourty's going to go on the injured reserve, which is not good. Matt Nagy has COVID. A lot of people go, oh, isolate for a couple of months. Because the Blackhawks are clearing house. The Cubs, you know, essentially with Theo Epstein, you know, leaving the team and whatnot, and them hiring a new GM, other Jed Hoyer. You know, some teams in the Chicago, they just need to clear house there. James Sherwood, unfortunately, uh, torn his Achilles. He's going to be out for the year. I don't know what's up with the, all these people tearing their Achilles. 
DJ Chalk has a French ankle, and he's out for the year. So there go one of the only strengths the Jaguars have is at wide receiver. The Packers defensive coordinator Joe Barry is COVID, so he's probably not going to be out there. And men, Zach Wilson's officially out for two to four weeks. Josh Jacobs is out. Jabir Peppers for the Giants. They fortunately lost some injured reserves. He's one of their better defensive players. Raiders cut Willie Sneed, and then Alan Lazard's got COVID. So what's really good for the Packers is they lose both wide, two of their wide receivers, and they lose defensive co- and they lose their defensive coordinator for one game. That is not good. Now just back up Mike White will start for the Zach Wilson, but that's still like him and Joe Flacco with the knee injury to Wilson is not that great. Duke Johnson, as I mentioned before, he's back. He's with the Dolphins. Will, uh, Will Lutz, the kicker, had a setback, so he's going to be out for the year. Mike Silver is leading NFL Network, for those who are a fan of his writing. Just to mention, Fubio TV and Fox Sports Streaming are going to show UFA matches, and ESPN Plus is going to get a rights to the exclusive lacrosse league. So that is good for them. Two-year extension for Jonah Valanciunas for the New Orleans Pelicans. Fortunately for Lakers, the, one of the only few young players None, he's out for two to three weeks. So him and Taylor Horton Tucker are out. Trevor Reed is out. That's not good for them to start. Sekou Smith press room is what it's going to be called in Atlanta after his passing recently. China announced they're not going to broadcast any Celtics games, basically what Ennis Kanter do. If I were Ennis Kanter, I'd continue to speak on the issues because you're never going to go back home to your home country. So you just stay here in the United States and speak out on it. Kyle Lowry now is the 18 most three. Congratulations to him. Chris Paul become the only player to ever have 20,000 points and 10,000 assists, just signifying he's a top five point guard of all time. LeBron James now has the 11th most threes because it's more about how long he's playing, not how great of a three-point shooter. Avery Bradley became the 11th player to have zero stats, important stats in a game. Points, rebounds, assists, blocks, and steals. I don't know how that's possible. You know, you're a good defensive player, so I don't know how you don't get a steal here, a ball ricochets, and you get a rebound. You pass the ball and somebody makes the shot. Like, I don't, I don't understand that. Carmelo Anthony now has the ninth most points. Congratulations to Carmelo Anthony. He passed the Mullis Malone, so that's pretty good that he uh, continued to get in the league. So he's uh, passed, excuse me, ninth on the all-time list, not eighth. And um, Jalen Green became the first Rockets rookie to have, like, 30-point game and shoot since Yao Ming and the most three-pointers made, so that's cool for him. Patty Mills went 10 for 10 from the three-point line this season. He's the first player to do that to open a season. The last player to do that was eight straight with him. So that's pretty cool. The Atlanta Dream have hired Dan Dover to be the GM. I mean, Padover, excuse me. The two-time WNBA Executive of the Year will be the GM for the team that has a new head coach and do ownership groups, so that's good for them. Seth Curry and Bridges... Have one player of the day, have uh, one players of the week in the NBA, so that's good for them. And um, Miles Bridges is one of those players where I think that he is going to break out and have a chance to be player of the, you know, like most improved player of the year. Zach Levine passed Michael Jordan for most threes, fourth all time. Congratulations to him. And uh, three triple doubles for the age of 24 for Lonzo Ball. It just proves how talented he is and how dumb it was for Lakers and New Orleans to let him go. On sad news, Dickie V announced he's batting Hoskins lymphoma and he's going to still try to broadcast while dealing with chemo. Hopefully he gets better. Premier League Hockey Federation is going to ESPN+. Plus, So they're just scooping up ESPN and scooping up lacrosse and all these other leagues for them to do that. And in baseball, there's a lot of happen. 
TJ, uh, Tommy John's already fired from Marshall, so he's not going to pitch, obviously, all next year because he had it this late in the season. Andy Haynes is no longer the hitting coach for the Brewers. They fired him. And the Halos fired their scouting director, Matt Wansom. Again, there's, the Angels haven't been good in developing people, so that makes sense there. Randy Bush is leaving his executive role just being an advisor with the Cubs with all the shakeup in the front office. Reggie Wilts has left the Yankees staff to join the Oklahoma staff. I'm guessing he wants to coach college. The Dodgers in general this year have won seven straight elimination game, which is pretty cool. Ed Duvall and Eddie Rosario became the third player teammates at back-to-back home runs in the postseason. Phillies hired Bob Hickerson to be infield coach after the Padres, you know, fired their head, their manager, Tingler, so the whole coaching staff can go where they want it. Jason McLeod, as I mentioned, with the Cubs shakeup with all the people they're hiring, he has officially left the team. Trey Hillman has left the Marlins. This will be the third out of five straight years for the Astros to be in the World Series. And Dusty Baker is the ninth manager who went independent in both leagues. Even before the Astros hired him, even before the Nationals had him before, I was like, this dude is a Hall of Fame manager. But, you know, nobody listens. The Rockies pitching, you know, director, Mark Wilkie retired, Will, Wiley retires. And I'm just like, really? They have somebody that does that because it's like, the Rockies have never been great at pitching. Their best pitchers have been Jeff Francis, Aaron Cook, Mike Hampton, and like a bottle of menace. So I don't really feel like that's, oh my God, that's the best thing in the world. Chris Bieto is going to be the first base coach full-time, so Tim, so Timmons can be the assistant hitting coach for the Rays. And this will be the first appearance for the Braves in the World Series in 22 years. Eddie Rosario won the NLSCS MVP, and he deserved it. Cubs have hired assistant GM, As, uh, new assistant GM, Asam Bahari. They have a new GM, a new assistant GM, and as McLeod has left and Randy Bush has gone somewhere else in the front office, the Cubs are doing a lot of shakeup. Ken Griffey Jr. is officially part of the ownership of the Mariners, which makes sense. He's synonymous with that team. Lance McCullough is officially out for the World Series as well. And the Phillies hired, excuse me, the Pirates hired Ruben Diablo, the pitching coach. He used the assistant head coach in Cleveland, so supposedly... Cleveland's really good at pitching, so you might as well get some of that to rub off on you in San Diego. Cardinals hired Oliver Marmel as their manager. And I said to myself, so when they fired Mike Matheny, Mike Schilt was the interim manager, and then they gave him the job, but he'd never been a manager in the major leagues. He'd been a longtime coach. He'd been in the minor leagues. I'm like, who is this person? Like, what's going on here? Well, Oliver Marmel was the bench coach for Mike Schilt, and he's 35 years old, becoming the active youngest one after Tingler got fired, Luis Rojas, a lot of guys who were younger got fired. And I'm saying to myself like this, does it mean that the Cardinals front office goes, we're really, really smart, so we just want to hire a young dude who will listen to whatever we say and implement all the analytics, and a guy who won't fight back? But Mike Schilt could win manager of the year and still have been fired this year, and the Cardinals are even first to make the playoffs the way they were playing this year. So I don't really get that, but... Wow, good luck to him, you know, and the Cardinals. Brewers longtime coach Edgar Seeger announced Ed Seeger announced he's retiring for baseball. Uh, Tom Goodwin was not coming back to the Red Sox as a coach. He coached for the Mets before and had a long time big league career. And I'm saying to myself, like, I met him, he's a nice guy. His son Brian plays for the Sox, so I know somebody will definitely hire him because he's been a coach twice and a former major leaguer. Rockies have hired. Daryl Scott to be the pitching. Daryl Scott to be the pitching coach again. No matter who's director of pitching, who's pitching with the Rockies, there's never going to be good at pitching. Jeremy Hefner is staying along with the Mets. No matter who the Mets hire, they liked him as the pitching coach. 
In industry news, Irma Thurman's joining this analog series in Showtime to play Art Huffington. I can see that. Sisters are renewed for season four on BET. And Jesse Spencer leaves Chicago Fire, supposedly one of the original members of that show. For those who are a fan, I'm sorry that happened. Mythic Quest goes renewed for season three and four. So two-year renewal on Apple TV, those who watch that. HBO Max is trying to get a Sopranos, you know, prequel. Hopefully that works. LA Law sequel on ABC with Corbin Burson. So the original guy is going to be on there. So again, running out of ideas of creative content. I don't get why in the world they need to make an LA Law sequel. It was good. It was one of these popular shows. Just let it be. Ghost gets a full season. I ripped my review for it. You'll hear me talk about it in one of the many television shows I'm going to get to in the next couple weeks. But that's a good sign because it's the first It's the first Chuck Lorre show since the neighborhood to be renewed. And it's better than every Chuck Lorre show except for obviously Young Sheldon. So Young Sheldon, Neighborhood, and this are probably the three best sitcoms on that channel. In the wake of what happened on the set without Baldwin show, the rookie is no going to have no live gun f- shot on the Caduo special effects. That's cool. George Lopez is going to start and take producing a new NBC comedy. More George Lopez, the better in television shows and movies. Ed Sheeran's announcing his COVID, so he's going to isolate. Carol King and James Taylor are going to get a documentary on CNN HBO Max, which is pretty cool. But the last time I watched like a CNN documentary by Chicago, it kind of left out a lot of things. But hopefully this one's good. And Ryan Gosling has joined Margie Rabo in the Barbie and Ken movie, which again is really stupid. I don't get it. Good news, Brandon Fraser, for those people worried about him, he's in Doom Patrol, but now he's going to be a villain in the new Batgirl movie, so that's good he's coming up there with stuff. Jonas Brothers are getting a roast, and Keenan Thompson's going to host, so that will be something to look forward to and watch. That's pretty funny. A show called Primal is going to be INDV made Michael Shore. That's cool. The Quiet Place is going to get a game based on the movies. That's interesting. Dune, who just came out of the movie, is getting a sequel, so that's pretty good. Sessions was renewed for season four on HBO Max. That's good for those who watch that. Howie Mandel and Lily Singer and be some of the judges on Canada's Got Talent. That'll be interesting to see. They're not going to make the Joan Rivers movie with Katherine Hahn anymore. I don't know why. Ico Yulas will be the villain Expendables 4. And the good doctor lose another doctor in, in terms of leaving the show. I'm not caught up on that. So that is something that I'll have to get catch up on and get back to you on that. And then the whole Batwoman thing where Ruby Rose was accusing Douglas Scott, who played her father, Jacob Kane, on the show. And him having issues on the in the workplace and, and harassing people and abusing people. And then the network lying to her. Where it's basically, she said this, he said that. And the network's picking Doug Ray Scott because, you know, he because he left the show on his terms and he wasn't fired. She supposedly, her option was not picked up because it wasn't that she got injured on set and didn't want to do the role anymore. She was supposedly had issues on set with abusing people and being and being a horrible influence on set. So... She could be a horrible person on set, but he can't be. No matter which one is true, both of them are no longer on the show, and the bickering is not going to help either of them in their careers because she's still pretty young, and she's trying to try to be in more shows and movies going forward, and he's still going to do stuff. So it's interesting the network picks him behind, but I just still think that the people that made Batwoman made a mistake of not letting her finish the character arc with Hush by just scrambling away after one episode and making this whole... Let's take the woman from Krypton and have her be her and then all this whole black mask stuff. No, it was pretty, pretty, pretty stupid. So that's why I'm like, Batwoman is one show that, you know, if they cancel it, I'll be like, you know what? It was a, it was a good idea, but probably not the best idea. You better just make a Batman show because the whole point of Supergirl was they couldn't make a Superman show, but now they have a Superman show. And that's why they made Arrow because they couldn't make a Batman show. But maybe they can make a Batman show because that would actually be a good idea. 
Now, speaking of the CW, Roswell, New Mexico in the Dark, and River to all their finales. I want to get to them so I can close the chapter. So basically, Max's clone is Jones. He's a clone of Jones, and, and at the same point, Michael's his son. So basically, he got the solution, and he got the machine. So like, oh, great, it's the end of the world. Dallas could die, but they're working on surgery. It's a new alien that they're related to. And obviously, Jones and Mike get into a fight, and he gets severely wounded. Is the junkyard buddy Sanders alive? They didn't clarify that 100%. You know, and Kyle's uncle's helping, and of course, Jones throws them all off the building, and they got to try to save them. And DeLuca keeps having the vision, which is pretty good, and then Rose helps Isabel with their issues and the sword and stuff. And like Kyle's uncle and them, Kyle's uncle's been pretty uh, pretty good at his job checking down Jones. And they finally figure out a way to get him out of the his body, but then it goes back and forth. And then, you know, it brings out bats, and, he, you know, they keep moving back and forth until they finally defeat him to swap bodies. But then it's like, oh, let me pretend to be Liz's lover, and, I'll, and it'll be confusing to pick it. And they finally, hopefully, defeated him. And, you know, they all have fun. He, you, know, you know, Michael gets to be with his lover. And Liz and Max get to be together. And then, you know, Isabel is supposedly bisexual. So she's been dating this black British reporter. and But she also slept with, with Max. So it's kind of weird. And I think it's kind of stupid to make her bisexual now. And then, you know, Michael be bisexual. Or he's with men and he's with women like DeLuca. So again, a little bit too much crap going on. Rosa gets to go to art school in New York, which is a pretty good thing to let her character leave the show and move on. And, of course, Kyle, who dated Isabel in... Not Isabel. Dated Liz in high school, had his own relationship for a bit with this woman who was on Grand Hotel. And um, he has feelings for Isabel, which, again, is pretty stupid because she's slept with a lot of people. And then... They have to bring you a cliffhanger because this show gets renewed no matter what. Because that's what CW does. Supposedly, Liz's high school teacher is in Mexico when there's a new alien speaking that came out of the pod. And that's who Jones used on the Lockhart machine, which is interesting. So, the thing about Rosamesco is with everybody dating and sleeping with each other. And it's all about drama and whatnot. Aliens and, and, you know, like, sheriffs and doctors and all this other stuff. And secret government agencies. Like, it at least keeps you interested enough in watching it that it's not a complete crapshoot of, oh, I wonder why this show is renewed. That's In the Dark. In the Dark, man, where she thinks that Jess was kidnapped, and it's by this creepy Jennifer Walker's uncle who has her, and he thinks she has Jess because she has the, the fake identity because he sold it, blah, 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 blah. No, he doesn't have her. He just knew what happened to her because she thought Josiah was going to kill her. All this other stuff, and she was tired with Murphy because everybody's tired of Murphy. Nobody wants to deal with the stupid blind character who uses her looks to get everything from other people. And because she's like, let's help me take advantage of everybody else. Then of course, just just said she screw it, so she's working at a pet store. She wants to move on, okay? And and obviously Murphy was right for being a blind woman that she's oh yeah that Jennifer Walker's uncle knew where she was and that was the way to find him. And, and Jennifer Walker's living in his basement. And that he took Jess to the no one know what he did to Jennifer Walker, all that other stuff. Jess tells it like it is, and Murphy goes, how could you? He's like, yeah, I'm tired of this crap. Her life got ruined. She committed murder because of her 
sold drugs, all this other stuff. And the good news is they arrested this, not arrested, but they took down this creep and the Jennifer Walker gets to go back home with her mother. I don't like the Sarah detective using Darnell to find out where Murphy is because I kind of want Darnell to have a relationship because his girlfriend got killed, his sister got killed, like he can't catch a break, his cousin got killed. And that's one of the only positive things Jennifer Walker saved. Like, that's the only thing. And then, of course, she gets arrested, and the blind guy's happy, but the creep got killed because they wanted Murphy alive to go to prison. So, like, the young-looking cop dude and the British guy are so happy, but they took the dog to her mother. And you're like, okay, Max goes to visit her, and just because he wanted closure, not to give her closure, that's all he wanted is he wants something real in his life, and he didn't really have that because he keeps going on the run because of Murphy. Felix... Those were friends, which is what they obviously were. And he's like, I'm going to help you get out. And then Jess talks about, she just wants to be a normal person. And I get that. She wants to, because she's a veterinarian, just help animals, live her life, date women because she's into women, and then making toast. And guess what? They harken back on her making toast in the episode. Now, of course, I think her name is Sam. She worked for Nia, and she was the black lesbian whose girlfriend was purposely sleeping with Jess in the show. She's in prison, and I'm like, ah, oh, great, Murphy's in trouble. So you know what? That's a cliffhanger. That's how I said they get you in the next season. Is she going to get killed in prison? Is she going to get out of prison? Blah, blah, blah. This is the show where you're like, can this thing just freaking end already? It's one of the worst shows I've ever watched in my life. Now let's get to Riverdale. Basically, Veronica, she's planning on going to New York, but that doesn't happen because of her husband's giving her a bad reputation of killing him and cheating him and all this other stuff. Reggie failed to be a broker, so they decided, let's... Open up a casino and let's hook up. Ooh, cause so that's what happens with her, with her. She's going to be with Reggie. Like in high school, you know, Betty and Archie are together. And, you know, Jax moves back home. Like they live near each other because she's going to stay with her mother and work in the FBI. Archie's going to own the construction. And they get to eventually be together because it's not going to work out with Veronica. Because her life is different than Archie's. Archie wants to stay here on purpose. She wants to leave. Jughead gets to run the school newspaper even though they don't want to be a teacher, which is obviously makes sense. Blossom's still mining palladium. They found dead bodies. And, and then they're like, well, let's have the high school chick who got kicked out of her parents' house because she's lesbian be her new passion project. And she's a redhead and she's lesbian. And this whole thing where Blossom sleeps with every care, every gender. And everybody in the show sleeps with Jughead's the only one who's only slept with just Betty and one person. But everybody else is sleeping with each other all the time. Like... You know, it's like, okay, Fangs is now bi, and then, like, Moose was bi, and then let's make it, oh, let's find men for Kevin to be with. So it's like, okay, so Blossom's going to run a lesbian, like, weirdly cult school because basically she finds out that Archie's, you know, long-lost family and Jughead's long-lost family. Supposedly Betty, even though the fact that Betty's father is was once a Blossom, which, again... No continuity there, but yeah, let's go back. And they destroyed this young woman who wasn't married and had an art school and she's lesbian, blah, 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 and wasn't married. She was a witch. And because they didn't do what they didn't, you know, atone for them, she's like, my whole area is not part of Riverdale and you cannot come in, which is really fucking stupid because the town just needs to live. They don't need you to come up with your weird craziness stuff, cult schools. So that's why, like, a, there's going to be, like, a cliffhanger. Like, what are you going to do with the cult school? Now, obviously... Hiram's one of his plans was to burn down things like Pops and other stuff and give it to the Googlies, and they got to figure that out, and they got to save it. But then, of course, the tires just lashed, so they couldn't get to him in time. 
and you know Tony and Fangs are now together because they were having a baby with each other and now they're both straight and not bi and all this other stuff even though she told Jughead I prefer women and the whole point was to annex Riverdale because of this whole other town and stuff now Betty's still got the trash bag killer calling her that's interesting going to that they figure out a plan to end him not try to kill him and stuff so they obviously Jughead and and you know Tabitha burn down the ledger because they make fun of Pops and Pops comes back, so that's a great thing because then he gets to be back in town even though he gives up his money. And they're saying, we're going to sell Hiram stuff to fix up all the places you destroy, including Pops. And they exile him, which is cool. You can never come back. Because they have the proof of him killing that mafia dude who killed his father years ago, which was a good, was a good episode. Kevin was offered a deputy role, but he's like, I got to try, Father. I'm trying to be, you know, Officer Keller. He tells him, I got to go and go on Broadway. So it's okay. You got to try and try it again, you know, because if Joseph can live her dreams, so can he. And obviously, Archie, uh, Archie offered mayor job to Tony and Fang. To they were like, no. So they let's not do a, a mayor thing. And I'm thinking, if it's not going to be Veronica, I'm thinking Betty's mom would be a good one. Obviously, Blossom's grandmother knows everything, and this is really stupid. You know, they're like, all the dead people are a collapsed generation of Riverdale people who screwed them over, which is really stupid. And oh, here's my journal. Oh, look at this stuff. To go with the civil council, Democratic mayor. So they, you know. So they, they call it the free press, not the blue and gold, because they report on whatever they want. They want it to be untruthfully biased. was a good idea, Jughead. And I was like, okay, Tony again offered to be in the council because she's like a guidance counselor. She, you know, she does all the stuff. It's a good idea. Tabitha, who was a business owner, that's a good idea. And I knew by, Betty's mom, Alice, would be a good one because she used to run the newspaper. And she's one of the only adults left in the show. And I didn't know if they were going to have Uncle Frank do it because he's an ex-con, but he's also an ex He's a, he's a veteran and all this other stuff. And then Thorndale with whole soup of lots of things. They're not going to be part of Riverdale, which is pretty stupid. Then she puts a curse on Archie and Betty and Jughead, even though Betty's her cousin. And this cold wind feels like a curse is coming in. And, of course, this, you don't know what if the curse is going to continue this whole season and stuff. And, of course, Veronica and Reggie still open the casino with high school students help, even though, like, the council goes, we're not sure. And then, of course... Betty and Archie get to be together, but then a bomb goes off, and you're like, boom, they, they die, cliffhanger with the bomb, and the curse, and the cold school, and all that, and the casino, and everything else, and you're saying to yourself, okay, cool, let's figure out, you know, what's going to happen, that's how they get you in, because obviously Riverdale with the time jump made sense, because they're all older and stuff, but it's like, okay, cool, let's, let's, let's see what else we can do, so rest in peace, everybody who passed away. Happy trails to everybody who retired. Everybody who have been, uh, has COVID, hopefully they all get better. Especially Nicky V with his battle with Hopkins lymphoma in the dark, Riverdale, and Roswell Mesco. See you next season. And I don't know if Riverdale's going to work because it was on this year, this past year from like the like earlier in the calendar year, and then it stopped like after a certain amount of episodes. And I was like, there was no season finale, no teaser, no trailer. Then it came back with these episodes the last couple of months, and it was pretty good the way to end it, how they did there's going to be like a short thing coming out, but with COVID, everything pushed back with, you know, CW. Is Riverdale going to go back to being a 22-episode season or at least 18-episode season starting in like the late fall, early winter, and then being done in the spring? Or is it just going to piece in whenever they can get episodes because it's filmed in Canada and stuff? I don't really know. Roswell, New Mexico in the dark, they'll be back in next spring, whenever it is, or the summer. It doesn't really matter. Uh, as always, we talk about local and national sports and pop culture. Obviously, this podcast 
was episode 105. On the Radar Entertainment blog is my Facebook. On the Radar Media.com is my website. On the Radar is the name of my YouTube channel and my podcast. Radar4428 on Blogger and my Twitter handle is the same. Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you get it. The basketball previews are up. The television previews are going up every single day. And you'll hear more about it here. Thanks for listening on the Radar episode number 105. See you guys next time.